Thank you, Lord. Man, have you ever gotten to a point, a place in time? You know, it's such a a simple phrase, but it can have far-reaching and and very deep connotations tied to it. Uh, Sometimes we don't know anything else to say, but to say, thank you, Lord. And if you think back over your life and you think about how good God has been to you, uh, my hope and my prayer is that you too can say thank you, Lord. Let's ask God's blessings on our time in his word on today. Father, we thank you and we bless you for today. Uh, We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say, that it would be pleasing in your sight, that you would be glorified in a special way, God, that as we hear your word, as your word goes forth, that everything would not only honor you, but would edify your people. We love you and we ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're like many people, you have tried to find the key to happiness in life, uh, the secret to experiencing the blessings of God in your life. And, And one of the things that I have discovered as I have sojourned on this Christian journey for myself is that the key is not getting more of God. It's really about me learning how to give more of myself to God. Uh, Beyond just this idea of surrendering to God, of giving up something for God, it's really tied to making a total commitment of my mind, body, soul, and spirit, literally saying to God, God, here I am, and I want to give myself in totality over to you. In our text, Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul shifts to challenging us how we are to live our lives and and, and really challenging us what it means to lean into giving your total self to God. Now, let's be honest. Most people uh, want to give as little as possible to get as much as they can get. You probably have heard the phrase, uh, is the cost worth the value? But I submit to you today, my brothers and sisters, that when God calls for us to give him our all, our all pales in comparison to his all because he has already given us all that we need to become all that he desires. Now the question is, will we respond to what he has given on our behalf? I want to continue our series, Becoming and Being a Believer Every Day, and I want to talk today from a message that we started on last week and concluded today, Being Transformed for God, every day, being transformed for God every day. What does it mean to be transformed? And the recognition that whatever it means to be transformed, you have to be in that process, in that mindset every day if you are going to fulfill your potential in God. Now, this final section of the book of Romans is really challenging us to experience a total reorientation in life. 
Uh, many of us are not experiencing the fullness of our relationship with God. And Romans chapter 12 begins this segment of assuring us that we can experience everything God has for us. Let me just, as a form of review, go back over what we talked about last week. Last week when we talked about being transformed for God, we started with verse 2, and I said, number one, you need to realize the world is constantly trying to conform you to its image. Uh, Romans 12, 2, the ESV translation says, do not be conformed to this world. I love the Phillips New Testament version when it says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Uh, that, that word conform literally means to be pressured from without and to take the shape of that which you are being pressured by. Uh, when we think about molds, for example, we think about an innocuous mold, something harmless like a mold that you may pour jello in, and that jello, as it hardens, takes the shape of the mold that it was in. Well, Paul is talking about something much more serious. He is talking about uh, the world, its ideas, its ideologies, literally squeezing you from the outside so that you think less like God and you think more like the pressure that's on you on the outside. And many people don't realize how much they are conforming to the world's image. Typically, when we think about the world as believers, we think about all evil, all bad, those ungodly things. But here's what I want you to understand. Anything that keeps us from living out the truth of God's word is conforming us to an image that is not pleasing to God. It doesn't have to be sinful activity. It might be less than godly ideologies that are guiding us and shaping our thinking and shaping our behavior. And so God wants us to understand that we are being challenged to not be conformed to this world. It's in the imperative mood, the present tense, and it's in the middle or passive voice, which is very interesting because, listen carefully, we can conform ourselves or we can passively go about and allow ourselves to be conformed. And Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. The second thing I shared with you on last week is you must continually give God your mind. You must continually give God your mind. The B part of verse 2 says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The Phillips New Testament says, but let God remold your minds from within. Now, the contrast is very clear. When we are being conformed, we are being conformed by the things on the outside, but the Apostle Paul says we must be transformed by the renewing of our minds, which should take place from the inside out. So instead of being impacted and affected from the outside in, he says you must allow the Spirit of God to move inside of you so you can live a better life beginning on the inside and working from the inside out. Now here's what's interesting about this idea of transformed. It comes from the same root where we get the word metamorphosis from, right? Uh, this change, this change that takes place 
that begins on the inside and the evidence that a change has taken place on the inside will be witnessed and seen by all by the monumental change that is showing up on the outside. We think about, for example, the caterpillar going into a cocoon and coming out as a moth, right? That's a metamorphosis. And in a very real sense, Paul says when when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, there should be evidence that we've been changed, transformed, imperative mood, present tense, but it's in the passive voice, which means what? We don't have the ability to transform ourselves. We have to let God change us from the outside, come inside, and then manifest that change on the inside so it shows up on the outside. How many times have you tried to change yourself? Uh, Maybe you participated in positive thinking or meditation. Maybe you you, you talked about having a positive energy or, or a positive mindset, right? Positive willpower. And if I could just think it, I could do it. But here's the problem. All of those ideologies, all of those practices are rooted in ourselves. And if you are like everybody else on the planet, there are frailties and fragilities about your life and living where you may not always have the willpower, you may not always have the intestinal fortitude, the strength to keep doing right even when you attempted to do wrong. Paul says that we are in a war, right? When we would do good, evil is always present. And so my brothers and sisters, I want you to leave here today. I want you to leave hearing this message understanding that this is a constant battle you are to engage in, the battle for your mind. Let me give you an example. So over the last year, with all that's been going on with the pandemic, I mean, every news report, every newscast from morning to night, next morning to the next night, we were inundated with bad news. We were inundated with bad news. I mean, think about this for a moment. COVID-19 was the third leading cause of death in our country last year, number three. Now, what's scary about that is that means we had two more causes of death that killed more people than COVID-19. With all of the news that we heard about COVID-19 and all of the deaths that we heard about COVID-19, We didn't hear near as much about heart disease or cancer, but they were number one and number two. So what does that mean? That means we were inundated with deaths, even those deaths that we didn't know about. Family members and friends who had passed away from natural causes or other diseases not related to COVID-19. And can I tell you something? That, That inundation with bad news just got to be too much for me. Got, got to be too much for me and my wife. Matter of fact, there were times my wife said, look, can, can you just turn the news off? I, I don't want to hear any more bad news. We didn't want to hear anything else about somebody getting shot, raped, murdered, kidnapped, right? We didn't want to hear anything because it was that bad, right? And here's what I realized. I realized that in yielding myself to being inundated with the bad news, it was affecting my spirit. It was affecting my mindset. It was affecting my ability to interact with others. It was affecting my ability 
to even fellowship with God. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The obligation means to undergo a complete change under the power of God of who you are on the inside so that there can be a change seen in your behavior on the outside. Now, let's be honest. It's a whole lot easier, I believe, to change what you look like on the outside than who you are on the inside, right? It's a whole lot easier to to go get a makeover. It's a whole lot easier to, to go get a new suit of clothes. It's a whole lot easier to experience that makeover on the outside than it is to change your mentality on the inside. But, but Paul says that's where it needs to start. That's where it needs to start, by transforming and experiencing a renewing of your mind. That word for renew literally means a renovation. Uh, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite stations to watch is HGTV. And, and I love some of the shows in particular that don't do a lot of demolition, but when a person walks in, they're like, whoa, this is not the same house because it's been renovated. So it looks and feels differently than it did before. Here's the challenge that we face with having our minds transformed, and then I got to move on. Uh, To really experience that transformation, uh, we've got to understand in that point that just because we think it doesn't mean it's of God, right? Because here's the mistake that we make. Uh, we, we don't recognize that transformation of our mind, the renewing of our mind is something that doesn't happen once and for all. It's something that we should be working on on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. And we always have to be careful what we attribute to God. Have you heard anybody say, maybe you said it, you know, oh, like this must be God. Why does it must be God? Because I thought it. When in actuality, the mind is deceitful. And you have to make sure that as your mind is being renewed and transformed, that you are moving more and more to a mindset that is in alignment with what God wants from your life. Let me get to part two. And then I'm going to let you go. We're talking about being transformed for God every day. Here's the first thing today. Number one, you need to realize the evidence that your mind has been renewed will be seen in your ability to, here it is, find and follow God's will. Your ability to find and follow God's will. Look at the B part of verse 2, Romans chapter 12 that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How do you know your mind has been and is being transformed? You know your mind has been and is being transformed when you see evidence of a change in how you think. And when you see evidence in the change of how you think, now you are able to, listen carefully, the scripture says discern the will of God. Uh, that word discern literally means to test 
or to prove. It, it, it means to be able to identify in the midst of everything else that's going on. Do you have the ability to discern God's will? Listen to me carefully. Discern his will, not after you go through something, but can you discern his will before you go through it? See, there are those who mistakenly, I believe, distinguish between God's perfect will and God's permissive will. And I think when we say that, what we fail to understand is that his permissive will is really just the sanctifying of our disobedience. That somehow we want God to be a co-conspirator with our disobedience and our failure to discern and display what his will is truly for our lives. Paul, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discern. How can you ever find or discover or know the will of God for your life? How can you ever follow, do, or obey the will of God for your life? You cannot discover and you cannot do, you cannot learn and you cannot live the will of God in your life until you experience a transforming and a renewing of your mind. And notice what he says. The will of God. Here's the evidence. The will of God is good, which means it's beneficial, it's bountiful, it's acceptable, which means it's pleasing, it's satisfactory, and it's perfect. It's without error or mistakes. It is complete. It is flawless. It is free from any need. It is short of nothing. He says the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. Watch what the message translation says. I'm in verse 2, the B part. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. The Phillips New Testament says, so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. As a believer, you have to understand just because you think it doesn't mean your thought is automatically God's will. As a matter of fact, just because you think it, it doesn't mean that thought came from God. Too many times we blame God for what we have done because we attributed a thought to God when it didn't come from God. It came from us, sometimes from our flesh, sometimes from the enemy, but it came from someplace other than the throne of glory. And so, Paul says, let's, let's see the evidence that your mind is being transformed, that there's really been a change, that there's been a sanctification in you. I, I submit to you that there's some things that you should think differently about than you did 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I, I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that, that you should have the wisdom that you are no longer being fooled by the enemy's tricks 
the old tricks that he used on you throughout your lifetime. I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, if you were making mistakes in your 20s and making mistakes in your 30s, and you're still making the same mistakes in your 40s and 50s, and I'm not saying you don't know Jesus because you can still know Jesus. Because remember, Paul is writing to believers, right? He's not writing to sinners. He's writing to saints. He says, hey, man, I need y'all to experience a transforming of your thought process. I need you all to experience the renewing of your mind. Remember, present tense, that means ongoing, not once and for all. No, it's a battle that you have to continue to engage in. And God wants you to check out whether or not you're living for his will. Why? Because the evidence will be in whatever you do resulting in your growth and his glory whether or not it feels like it's for your good. Because some things that may not seem good now will result in good later on. Let me share with you this last thing. I'm going to let you go. Number two, you will find and follow God's will for your life when you commit to living in a way that pleases God. You will find and follow God's will for your life when you commit to living in a way that pleases God. I want to change the text just for a moment. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Read it with me, if you will. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing that, you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you, through the Lord Jesus. Paul says to the saints at Thessalonica, we ask and urge you to walk and to please God. To, to walk uh, figuratively literally means to live, right? It, it, it means how you live, how you go about your day-to-day -day living. He says, I, I want you uh, to, to walk in a way that pleases God. Now, the question on the table is, what can I do to walk in a way that pleases God? If this is something that the Apostle Paul, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, is asking and urging, then the question that you need to ask, the question that I need to ask is, what do I need to do to help me walk in a way that pleases God? Three simple things I'm going to give them to you real quick that I believe God wants you to put into practice if you are going to learn every day, every moment, how to live in a way that pleases God and experience a transforming of your mind. Number one, you need to know and obey God's word. A, you need to know and obey God's word. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4 and after the first temptation, Jesus' response was, it is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then the devil came back at Jesus and said to him, oh, you want to play that Bible game? I know the scriptures too. He says, cast yourself down for it is written. The angels will catch you and bear you up lest you dash your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded and said, it is written again, right? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Here's the point I'm trying to make. It is not enough to know the word if you're not going to obey it. You've got to know, spend time in the word, and then you've got to make a commitment to obey what you know. And here's the truth of the matter. Every one of you watching me right now, you already know more than you're living. So the question is not going someplace to learn more. It's learning how to live what you already know. Here's B. You need to pray. You need to pray. You need to surrender your will to God, and you need to continually pray. Now, I've said this before, but don't miss this. Most of us pray in the storm, and we play when the sun is shining. We pray like never before when problems come. But we play when everything is going well. And we have to learn how to make prayer our personal priority. Whether we are going to God in adoration for what he has done, in confession of our wrongdoings, in thanksgiving for his blessings, or in our supplications to God, when we are seriously in need from God, we have to learn how to be continual in our prayer life. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything you need, always giving thanks for what you have. Here's the final thing. See, you must focus on making God's will your priority in your life. You must focus on making God's will the priority of your life. Matthew 6, 33 but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All of these things will be added unto you. Can, can I tell you part of the problem we have today is that Democrats are trying to establish their kingdom. Republicans are trying to establish their kingdom. And people who say they love Jesus have abdicated their responsibility to work to see God's kingdom come into play. L literally, we, we have Democrats and Republicans, people on both sides who say they love Jesus, but hold to tenets and fight against people on the opposite side of the aisle, not over kingdom principles. Now, I know what somebody's going to say. Well, wait a minute. You know, Republicans, you know, they, they say they're pro-life. No, they're not pro-life. They're pro-birth. They're not pro-life. They're not pro-life. Because if you're pro-life, that means you care about me from the cradle to the grave. You don't stop when I'm born and look at adverse policies and say nothing. But Democrats on the other side, we, we, we see Democrats, they have their issues as well. Because there are many times when Democrats have been in power and they have not made the changes in terms of policy that need to be changed to create equality for all people. 
But at the end of the day, as Christians, we are called and we are charged with maintaining what? The development and the manifestation of the kingdom of God. And don't take one piece of the kingdom over here and then say, oh, God's kingdom is all that you're about. And take one piece of the kingdom over here, issues, for example, of social justice, and say, oh, I'm all about the kingdom of God. Because God's kingdom is bigger than any one party. And as Christians, we have to learn that in the transforming, in the renewing of our mind, we stand on a different platform, and that's the platform of God. Let me just close by telling you this. For many years, I would struggle with the idea of surrendering my body to God and, and what that looked like. Um, I have to be honest with you and tell you, as, a, as an early Christian, I didn't even know that was my responsibility. And then when I found out it was my responsibility, I, I literally would beat myself up because I just didn't seem like I had the ability to discipline myself and say no to myself and contain myself. And then as I was reading Romans 12, what I came to understand is I was trying to control my body and my flesh instead of learning how to give myself to God first in my spirit, in my mind, and then allowing that transformed mind to manifest itself and change behavior. See, I, I don't care how much you tell somebody they need to change. They will never change until they get a mindset to change. I don't care how long you tell somebody something is bad. It's not until they see that it's bad and they accept it in their mind that they will make a change in the behavior of their body. And so my hope and my prayer is that you make a commitment every day to be transformed, to allow God to renew your mind. And remember, that renewing that Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 12 is not a salvation shift. It's a sanctification process. So that every day, more and more, you should be discerning what the will of God is. And if you misjudged it before, make a change now. Because it's never too late to start living right for God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I pray now that everything that we have said and done has been pleasing in your sight. Help us all to realize, God, that we are called to be combatants over the battle for our minds. I pray, God, that you would bring healing and wholeness to each of us as you facilitate the transforming of our mind. It's a battle we must fight, we must engage in if we are going to become our best for you. And so give us the mindset and give us the power and the strength to be victorious in your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us on today. Now listen, just a couple of things. One, if you need to ask the Lord into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes today. And if you would click on the button 
that says, I want to accept Christ, but how? I want to become a Christian, but how? I, I need you to know it's not about rituals, routines, relationships. Uh, it, it's really about understanding God's love for you and how God wants you to respond to that love. Rules, rituals, and routines are not what make up the Christian life in the Bible. It's about having a relationship with God who loves you so much he loves you where you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life, but he can't do it without your permission and without your participation. If you're looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be, we're planning some soft openings and if the Lord says the same and the creek don't rise in the last quarter of this year, we will probably be reopening our doors. But that does not mean we're going to abandon those of you who are on the digital platform. And if you'd like to become part of our church family on the digital platform, we've had uh, people joining all year long. And we would be honored to be able to facilitate your discipleship, help you to grow, help you to become what God wants you to be on the digital platform. Our children's ministry is doing an absolutely tremendous job on the digital platform, our youth ministry as well. And there are challenges all around us, but here's what we believe. These challenges are presenting for us urgent opportunities to be able to reach people wherever they are. There are those of you who are watching who are watching in some 134 countries around the world. And I'm so grateful and honored that you would spend time with us as we share with you the word of God. So if you'd like to join the church, we welcome you to do that. Now, in our time of worship and giving, again, I wanna thank you for your faithfulness to our members and to our friends. Uh, thank you so much. It, it, it is it's an honor for me uh, to know that you believe so much in what we're doing that you would make a commitment of your resources to help us make it happen. Uh, we just got the report, I shared it with you last week, uh, over the last 13, 14 months, over a million pounds of food has been distributed through our church in partnership with our nonprofit Hope for Families. Um, we're launching this fall a youth empowerment program where we will be dealing with industrial strength youth, uh, dealing with issues of functional illiteracy, uh, helping young people fill in the gaps that they are missing in their educational careers, uh, job training, uh, to really do our part to stem the tide of losing another generation. Uh, we're excited about that program that is coming up in partnership with the Harris County Juvenile Department and sponsored by the District Attorney's Office here in Harris County. Uh, it's unique, it's innovative, it's something that I'll, I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen in my 27 years here. And uh, I'm excited about the opportunity to continue the work that we're doing. Um, not just parental involvement, but parental empowerment, um, helping parents uh, who have been miseducated themselves get back on track and recognize that life is not over for them. So, tremendous things that we are involved in and it's all facilitated by you and your giving and so I want to thank you for your faithfulness six ways that you can worship the Lord through giving uh, on the digital platform 
And I just pray now that you will continue to be faithful and honor God in your support of this work and this ministry. Uh, last but not least, I want to continue to ask you to pray. Um, we are continuing our, our legal fight. And, and, you know, in so many ways, as I look at this battle, you know, I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. But I will tell you this. There are a couple of things that have been going on personally for me as well as our church. And I, I have already seen God bring e good out of what was meant for evil. I've literally seen God take a situation that was intended for evil and God brought so much good out of it. And it just encouraged me to look at this next situation and say, okay, God, all we can do is trust you. All we can do is believe in you. All we can do is have faith in you. So I just want you to keep on praying that God's will is done. As the Lord lays it on your heart, just whisper a prayer and ask God to bless our church, bless our ministry the stands that we're taking for him, that he would be glorified in the midst of it all. All right? Listen, God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me. And I just pray that if you can't see it, step back for a moment. Maybe you need to spend a day or two in prayer and just ask God, God, show me what you're doing so you can see what God is doing. Because I believe if you see it, you'll be able to celebrate it. All right? God bless you is my prayer.